Oh, hi there. It's James. Um, just, just interrupting this broadcast, broadcast to say, so if you like the podcast, can you please go onto iTunes, subscribe to it, leave a review, say, say how, how much, much you, like you like it, it and maybe it. get in touch with us. Do you like drinking muddy water? Do you like drinking blood? Do you like drinking really old milk that you found in a haunted amusement arcade's kitchen? That doesn't make any sense. Whatever. Do you like drinking any of that? Then this isn't the app for you. If you like drinking wine, go to dropwine.co.uk or wherever else you get apps. You can download the Drop Wine app. And the great people at Drop will deliver you wine within the hour in London to Zones 1 and 2 and some other places that they never seem to specify, but there are some other places. Give it a go. Get some greatly chosen wine. Get some fantastic wines at good prices. And you want to add to that good price, you can put the promo code Kitchen on Fire in the promo code box and you'll get £10 off your first order. It's brilliant. If you're still in the market for blood or mud and whatnot, that's on you. Goodbye. Drink responsibly. Oh, skinning, are we? Like. <laughs> Ravens are cleverer than crows, though, but all of them, corvids, are cleverer than most. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know where that came from. <laughs> oh, Robert McFarlane. Oh, it's so amazing. Oh, look, here's another tweet about Robert McFarlane. <laughs> Do you like the song? Not really. No? No. <laughs> it's a slight concern that that image of Alton Towers has been on your computer screen for a long period of the day. Haven't been willing to get rid of it. I left the YouTube tab open. Uh, yeah. Do you like atmosphere this? to the opening. Do you like this song? <laughs> no, it's fucking nice. But I've had it in my head all day. Yeah. Probably because I've had it open on my YouTube all day. Every time you glance over. Yeah, every time. Every time you look around. Every time I look around. Is that what you're singing? I don't know what I was singing. It just sounded what was like I it should have been a song. Oh, baby, it's making me crazy. Every time. Oh, how bizarre. And I don't want no, it's not that. Every time I look around, every time I look around, eh, you know, oh yeah. god, how bizarre! How bizarre! My friend Dave plays that as though it's sort of ironic, but he also likes it. That's strange. I don't. It's, it's not, worrying. Was, uh, yeah, it's it amazes me that anybody would like that. Got a bit of housekeeping to start with, Sam. This week, if I've that's got some right. housekeeping. Why am I um, strange? Carry on. Um, two bits of housekeeping. Yeah. First, it, uh, the book, the bookings, the. Um, Observer Food Monthly Awards 2019 voting is open. Thoroughly recommend you go and vote, uh, mostly because you can win some pretty good prizes just by throwing your hat in the ring. We have a few suggestions for you. Okay? Pigeon's already won Best Restaurant, so don't don't give us that. It would be quite funny to give Magpie Best Restaurant, because technically it was open in the legit period. So vote if you want to really humiliate us vote for Magpie <laughs> but we would say vote for Parsons our dear friends and sort of tangentially sponsors of the podcast Parsons 
Vote for Parsons. Wonderful restaurant. Best Instagram feed. Vote for Pigeon London. It's a wonderful Instagram feed. Sam, you did sterling work on it a couple of weeks ago. Good mm. on you. Fair play. Um, uh, but really, what we're looking for is best food personality. And it only asks for one person. But we reckon if you write the ticky off boys, that's certainly what I voted for. The ticky off boys. Imagine if we win that. Yeah, I think that would be right in Rick Stein's face, wouldn't it? Because he's he's expecting it this year, and he's all right. But as we, we've discussed his personality on him before, and he's a little grumpy, he's and one, he he's and one he plays the role of sort of doddery old man now, which is a shame because mm. I think he's great, as I've said before. So I'm not saying it's a diss of him. I just don't know why he plays that role. Um, but who else? I mean, who's got a better personality than me and you? Also, uh, local food heroes, can you please vote for Kitcheneers, which is Sam's wife, Abby, and her friend Sarah's project teaching the young school children of Chichester how to cook. Yeah, that would be... Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. Any other hats you want to chuck in this ring? Um, is there a worst restaurant category? Yes, let's say there is. Okay. Oh, is this... <laughs> no, I don't know. I just suddenly thought, yeah, who, who could we throw but under the bus? you had a bad experience a couple of weeks ago that I think we forgot to discuss. Oh, no, we haven't had a pod since then. No. Because we had a week off, didn't we? Yeah. We'll talk about that. Yeah. We don't have to name names, but yeah. I know that there are people out there. I got messages from various people saying, who, who, is, who is Sam slacking off? Yeah. I said, I don't know. Um, the other, sorry, really small bit of ad, admin. Um, can you, uh, can you, <laughs> the Soho Negroni Championship is back on this year. It's for the third year. Uh, it's July 17th, 2019. Entries now open. Set, uh, you, if you're a bartender based in London or anywhere, but probably London, um, send your suggestion of some variation, sexy, moody, innovative, whatever, on a Negroni to events at quovadasoho.co.uk. And if you're in the top 15 ideas, then you'll be through to the competition, judged by among others. Well, actually, we don't have any judges yet, other than Alan Jenkins, because he does it every year. You, aren't you doing it? I'm not judging. We're Pigeon co-hosts it. It's oh, okay. co-hosted by Pigeon and Quo because it was my idea. I've yeah? still never been. Put that in your pipe and please feel free. Oh, so there's it. never any room, is there? It's like, no, you can't come. There's probably not. You never too. want to come because you're no. a real misanthrope. Um, you absolutely Maggie Gyllenhaal the hell out of this opening. Well played. What does that mean? Come on. Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think I've only ever seen her in the Batmans. Oh. The Batman. <laughs> Batman's uh, secretary. Oh, you, a word you cannot say. Yeah, I know. I thought that when I said it. Secretary. What is it? Secretary. Is that yeah, that was. See, Secret now you didn't know. You fumbled it. I'm overthinking it. Hey, can you call your secretary and tell them? Secretary. Secret. Secretary. Secretaries. Oh, and then he said, "Sexy tours." No, I was nearly said something. Wrong. Um, how, how are you? So I'm a little bit wheezy, but wheezy, other than that, I've just, been, just been, had a little run. Uh, hackney half in two weeks, so got got to keep on top of things. And speaking of hack king, just tried to trim your beard with a disposable razor, didn't you? Yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. I've got to get rid of the beard for a, a thing tomorrow. And um, yeah, but I now smell deliciously of Noxema, which is my favourite of all the shaving creams of Holmes. So, you know, every cloud uh, has a lovely menthol lining. Lovely stuff. What's your <laughs> bit of admin slash housekeeping? I don't have any. You nailed it. Or am I supposed to have one? You said I've got some housekeeping too. Did you uh, just uh, mean notes? No, no, no. No, I didn't. 
I th- I, don't worry. Go on. No, no, no. No, I didn't. I didn't have any. I didn't have any. Love to hear what you meant. I didn't have any. Love to hear what you meant. I don't know what I meant. What did you mean? I don't know. I fumbled it. I panicked. You had so much information. You just trying to one up me? No, not at all. That's that's why I just I just said you were Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, but you were like, oh, I've got some housekeeping too. No, no, I didn't. I thought I did. Do you mean you have to wash your pants when you get home? No. Why would I have to wash my pants when I get home? Wash my pants when I go home. That's what I just said. Oh, I thought you meant back to yours tonight. Well, you can wash them there. Yeah, I'm not going to. In gonna, the sink. I'm going to wash them when I get home. Travel soap. Got plenty. Travel with spares. Plus a few extra, in case. <laughs> in case of self-soilage. Yeah, well, you, no, not in a snow. Don't be crude. Not that, but you might go on a water park ride at Alton Towers. In your pants? No, but you might get wet when the water f- splashes over the side, and then you're like, ah, oh, I've got to wear wet pants all day. I took or Tom it's a really it. scary ride, and you just wet yourself. Yeah, mm. that is. But that's less likely for me. I took Tom to a theme park. In the Easter holidays. What was the theme? Lightwater Valley. That wasn't the theme, it was just the name of the park. You used to have the longest roller coaster in the world, the Ultimate. Really? Which we rode with gay abandon as youths. Did um, you? But Tom's obviously too small for it. He was very scared by the first pretty entry level ride, so I was like, this is going to suck. And then I sort of G'd him up. And he was quite a good time to... in the end. Oh, that's good. But it brought out the absolute. I don't know who. I don't know whether it brought out the inner Joanna Blytheman in me or. Who's that? She, you know, she writes about nutrition and you know health and science right. and food a lot. Long story short, I I was genuinely quite angry to the point of like, I'm going to write and I'm I still may Sam mm. to the management say, I cannot believe in 2019, no exaggeration, there is literally not a single even moderately healthy thing available to buy. Literally not. It's all sweets, ice creams. Hot dogs. I think that's it. I think that's basically all that's on offer. Yeah, I mean, I think... Not a burrata in sight. <laughs> I didn't see a single pumpkin seed. Uh, pine nuts were there none. The, Chia, forget it. The, I, I mean, I was thought you take kids' places. But my main thing is, like, not the food. Like, fine, I, I see the point, I do. But I'm also like, if you're in the play park or whatever, like a theme parky thing, fine, have chips, have a burger, have a hot dog, whatever, fine. That doesn't really bother me. My thing outside of that is you can't give a kid anything to drink that isn't either, like, fizzy drink or those fucking fruit shoots, which are, like, insane mm. amounts of sugar. And that winds me up. Because you don't want to be the I don't mind the chips, whatever. It's fun. It's like a fairground. Yeah, but it wasn't... Uh, there wasn't even, like... I mean, there was no artisanal burger stand. <laughs> uh, couldn't find a craft beer for love. No, money. that's not what you mean. I know what you mean. No, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying I didn't want health food. I, I agree, you don't need health food. Yeah. But there wasn't any like relatively okay not health food. You know, I couldn't get a smoked salmon baguette. It was out of control. I was fuming. Tom I didn't even. I like can't it. work out what you're doing here, there. I'm half joking. I'm half yeah. serious. Okay. Tom didn't even finish his hot dog. He threw it on the ground. So that is foul, Dad. That's a waste of a fucking hot dog. He said, "Where's my avocado bagel?" Yeah, and my son would not do that. It wasn't a good hot dog. It was poor. Yeah. And actually, I need to write to them as well. How bad's a hot dog there? Oh. Bad hot dog. I need to write good. to them and it said the best hot dog in the world. Really? Not even like the Carlsberg, probably. What size are we talking? Jumbo. Dog? Jumbo? Uh, did I have the jumbo? Tom had the kids. I had the normal. Did you put it down the whole thing? Of course I did. I yeah. know. Tom's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he threw it on the ground and you picked it up. He didn't really throw it on the ground. <laughs> there. But you would have picked it up. Depends where you, how yeah. long. Five second rule. Yeah. Yeah. I would have put that down as well. Love those dogs. Don't like dogs very much there. 
What's that say about me? There was a dog drama over the weekend. Chef Martha De Lacey lost her dog. Oh, I saw that. Olive. My wife was really upset about it. I was in a really grumpy mood, and I think I said, oh, I don't fucking care, it's a dog. Which was incredibly That sounds mean. really unlike you, Sam. What would, <laughs> what would come over you to oh, be such a heartless bastard? Uh, but it was, it was quite impressive, I thought. She found the dog, by the way. She did, yeah, which I was pleased when I saw that the dog had been found. <laughs> I was pleased when I saw that you deleted your Instagram post. No, did you? I Instagram post from mine and from pigeons. So I was like, no, you know, no, no, that's nice. The neighbourhood community but makes you show though. It makes, it makes you, you show. show. <laughs> <laughs> Just shows, you know, if you're a big shot in the food industry and you lose your dog, you probably get it back. If you're not a big shot in the food industry, your dog's probably dead. Kate Spicer, she wrote that book about. Lo- she she literally wrote the book on losing dogs. Really? She lost a dog. She wrote a book about it, but she found it. And she wrote a whole book about yeah. losing a dog. Could the, what could the dog do? Was it like really clever? Very. <laughs> I'm sorry. It really? Algebra. Uh, I don't I, I'm not dissing people being sad about look. losing their dogs. I'd be sad like if I lost a cat, I guess. Would you? Yeah. yeah. I, I would be because it would mean my life would be miserable for a while because the girls would be gutted. Not sure whether. I'm not sure whether Milo would care that much, though. I think he'd pretend like he cared, but I think he'd be like, yeah, it kind of annoy. Cats. Anyway, cats. It's not very edgy to talk about why cats are lame. So let's move on. What have you got, Sam? You had a little bit of a rant, as just referred to a minute ago, yeah. a bit of a rant on Twitter. I did, yeah. About hospitality. I mean, I it did, was a real I, Herhelian sort of... Fucking some best restaurant in town. Yeah, because it's fucking bullshit. Go on, then. It was. It was bullshit. Uh, but the thing, I feel a little bit bad because I still haven't emailed to say. No. And I should do that, shouldn't I? Yeah. Because they would want to hear, because we yeah. would want to hear. Yeah, sure. And if the shoe were on t'other foot, mm. and um, and there and they had a podcast, and they were saying what a shit time they'd had at Pigeon, and not told us it before that, we'd be like, "Fuck you." Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, so I won't say so where don't it was. Talk anyway. about just what? Well, oh, oh, for fuck's sake! Um, yeah, but because it's a restaurant which is so highly regarded, and I've always had. A pretty good time there. I quite like it. I don't think it's as good as everyone says it is, but I think it's good. What is? Um, but no, what is? I want an answer. What is? As good as everyone says it is. An El Presidente hot dog. <laughs> um, Great answer. Uh, but yeah, it's good. And my wife hadn't been, so we went. Oh right, right, okay. So it was a sort of moment. Yeah, you wanted to show her this is the sort of place I used to hang out. Yeah, like you used to, but like she'd like the wine there and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so it was fine. Uh, anyway, so we get there, we had to wait like 10, 15 minutes for a seat. Not a problem at all. Get a drink while we wait. Fine. Sat down, ordered a pretty hefty amount of food. You know, sort of try the menu. I hadn't tried a lot of it. And we're putting down the food. And then we went outside for a minute and the guy came out and said, oh, can I shift you down? so I can fit in some more people. We were like, yeah, no worries. He said, do you mind if I move your stuff for you? I was like, no, that's fine. Whatever you want to do, crack on. So he did that, came back, sat down, carried on eating. We were sort of finished, and the girl behind the bar said, oh, do you want another? Are you finished? And I said, yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, you may as well clear the food. I'm right and, there with you. Yeah, it's a really painting a picture. Sort of, yeah. And she said, um, do you want another glass of wine? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, that would be great. Um, I said, whatever you'd recommend, um, We've just had this, whatever. We'd bought a bottle of wine. Listener, Sam is miming the whole thing yeah. in quite aggressive detail. No, and then 
then she came back and said actually would you mind having your glass of wine standing over there back in the waiting bit and I was a bit like well I haven't been here very long and ordered quite a hefty amount of food and I know they're busy but we haven't been here that long and I was kind of knackered and I didn't want to go and stand in the waiting thing so I, I said I said oh, w- would you mind um I'm, pr- I'm pretty knackered like can we just have a glass of wine we're not gonna stay but just we'll have a glass of wine you said and then we'll get out of your way and you can have the thing have the seats back and she sort of looked a bit uncomfortable and there was like yeah okay yeah and then she went away and she came back with the menu and recommend said oh i could get you a glass of this which was the same wine that we'd already had the bottle of and as i was sort of saying that i get a tap on my shoulder from the guy who'd already moved us down Mm. the thing he was like um could i just move you over to here and i was like fuck it i don't want a glass of wine and then I checked when we paid the bill and we spent 120 quid and we were there 40 something minutes, 48 minutes, 49 minutes, something like that. Spent 120 quid and it's really busy and they want to get people through, which is fine. But 120 quid, they can't let me sit and have a glass of wine. I wouldn't sit there and drink a bottle of wine and I wouldn't have had another glass of wine if I just had a snack or something. But it was like... And they knew I was. I wasn't rude. I didn't react. I just said, "Oh, we'll just get the bill and we'll go." Um, and but I just thought that's like such horrifically shit hospitality. And the fact that the bloke, the the sort of door person, the girl behind the bar, and I get. I think it was like a manager or something. Obviously, slightly senior. The, to what the were bar you wearing? Person. I was waiting for that. Um, and I was wearing a lovely shirt. And that n- nobody saw that I was obviously pissed off. Abby was obviously really uncomfortable. And nobody just went, oh, actually, don't worry. Of course, have a glass of wine. Yeah. You know, don't. No one read it. Nobody read it at all. They were just like, okay, great. We'll take your bill. And I just think, like, how you can mm. treat people like that just because you're a busy restaurant. I wonder if what that was, yeah. If that was us, we'd be fuming. Yeah. Because, you know, absolutely the opposite of hospitality, generosity. And I totally understand. I, you know, I have a fucking restaurant. Like, I understand that they need to get people in and out and you don't want people dawdling or all the rest mm. of it. But their business model is not based on two people spending 120 quid in 50 minutes and getting out or else they go out of business. That is not the business model that they're based on. No, I know. I mean, I know by, by, by sort of coincidence and... Speaking to various people, I know what their sort of average spam per head is, and it's uh, lower than that. So it's not yeah. yeah, it's not like they were like, ah, great, we, we've hit our target with these guys. Let's yeah. turn and burn. Yeah, I mean, there's always there's always the sort of devil's advocate slash you know other side of it, which is stressful night miscommunication. You know, there's so many permutations of what why that might have happened. Which sure, still, uh, I th- I think the sort of biggest ball drop of that all was not then reading. Uh, okay, well, that was a bit of a fuck up, and yeah, yeah, totally. And and and, and you said, which maybe it is sort of her Hillian being ratty on. Um, I can't believe I just said that about myself. That's gross. Um, well, I was quoting it's like you, Churchillian, so yeah, but her Hillian because uh, you look like him. But yeah, Churchill the dog from the adverts, not the they. The pair of them look minister. quite similar, though. You must say, yeah. Oh, I would. You know, also, what I would say yeah. I'd say, oh yes. <laughs> Uh, also, Great Harold stuff. from Neighbours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he had his jowls had their own muscles. Yeah, um, that's not. Fun. But I was just fucking furious, furious. 
So, um, yeah, fuck them. I was glad I tweeted it. I, mean, I wish I'd said their name. Did you delete the tweet? Again. What, putting the name? No. Oh, no, I didn't delete the tweet. Right. No, it's, it's just the sort of thing that I'd tweet after a few drinks and I'd be like, oh, that seems a bit... Very, oh, yeah. I, I look complaining isn't isn't impressive. We're always we're always and everyone does this in one way or another. But you're always like, oh, I wish you know the general public need to get a better understanding of the realities of a restaurant and you know why X and Y and Z happens. And then, but when you're the general public on the receiving end of that thing happening, you're still like, fuck you. What is he? Is he sort of beating up kids or beating up grown-ups? He was. He punched a dinner lady in the face. Whoa! With my four-year-old, which is not great. Not her husband. <laughs> yeah. Did he? Mm. Was, what, how bad was the food? I mean, I assume that was what the problem was. I think she offered him a fork in a way that he didn't take kindly to. Um, but it's improved since then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I used to hate the dinner ladies. Mm. They were not sort of kindly. Well, they're not matronly, pleasant. We had lovely Margaret ladies. at my school, who oh. I was once forced to different Margaret, not, oh. not dead Margaret. She okay. probably is dead too, to be fair. But um, who I was once forced to kiss. Go to, <laughs> uh, we were offered seconds, and I said, quoting the great Roger Lloyd Pack from uh, the Vicar of Dibley, "I'd rather eat my own scrotum." And uh, the teacher said, right, you go to the kitchen now and you tell Margaret what you just said about the food she cooked. I said, that's not punishing me. It is, but that's punishing Margaret. So Paul, I had to go in there and say, I just uh, said I'd rather eat my own scrotum than eat any more of your food. And she thought it was hilarious. Oh, nice. So the joke was on you, Mr Norris. Um, So what happened to Buddy? Um, well, I got a phone call. Um, I was teaching in Paris at the time, so I, could see, I was giving a lecture. I could see my phone lighting up with the nursery oh, number on it. So I was like, you know, it's the phone call. He's dead or in a coma or, or snatched. And, um, <laughs> it's one of the three. And it was like this very um, serious kind of like, you know, we have, we've made an instant report and, and it's like, how, how much damage did he do? Like, I don't know. I think she was just like she was more shocked than anything else. And was it a closed fist punch? Did you get sort of? He actually does throw quite. I'm quite proud of his punch. <laughs> it's quite good. Um, but yeah, he um, he doesn't like people getting too close to his face. A bit like an angry dog. Okay. So why was this dinner lady in his face, all up in his she grill? Was, she was offering him a fork. Oh, so like, would, right? Would you like a fork, yeah. little buddy? Mm-hmm. Well, well, maybe he thought that she was threatening him. Yeah. Yeah, somebody comes at me with a fork. Claw I'm your put eyes, down. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crumbs. That's what we like to think. Yeah. That's the fingers crossed. Um, we didn't get to do an intro. No. We, so, Is this the podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you want... Do, if you don't want information <laughs> about your violent child, <laughs> we can cut it all. Um, we haven't even done an intro, so we, we've got the delightful Evie Wilde novelist um, and... Well, you, you do. Mm, really. Should we just get a novelist? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because your husband now calls himself a poet, which is pushing it. I don't call myself a publisher. No, a publisher. (laughs) Um, No, right. (laughs) Uh, Which he is. 
Anyway, exactly. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming on the ticky off, as we call it. It's the uh, acronym that we've developed. Uh, we're pretty proud of it. Hugely um, proud. For those who don't know who you are, what's uh, what's the elevator pitch for Evie Wild? Um, I have written three, four books. Um, four. Well, next one's coming out in February. Okay. And uh, I used to work in a shop. I part own a bookshop. In Peckham? The yeah, the review bookshop. You part own that? Yes. But do you not work in it anymore? No, I you just need go. to update your Twitter bio. I know, I know, but it... It's, it means like you're keeping it real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've written <laughs> yeah. some books, but I still work in the The main bookshop. thing is, yeah. Well, I was when I, when I put that up, I was quite fresh out of PC World, so I feel like, I feel like that's got me... It's got me where I am today. Well, you worked at PC World, or that's where you learned how to use Twitter? Um, that's that's where I worked. Did you? On the old Kent Road. PC World? Well, it's very close. Where in the world? Yeah. <laughs> in PC the world. world. That, in, at that time, sort of pre-Apple store, PC World was, was like... Cutting edge. Yeah, but I mean, exciting. people just came in sort of shouting through the door. It was really horrible. <laughs> to buy, because it was the old Kent Road, or...? Um, I don't know. I think it was... It's just... There's only so many staff, and once um, somebody's looking after a customer, they are kind of quite dead-eyed about it, and they don't sort of say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just with someone." They're just like, they just won't, <laughs> or they didn't in my in my branch. They just didn't acknowledge anyone, so they would find someone else in a purple shirt and take right. it out on them. Were you quite? Were you? Are you quite tech savvy as a? Result? No, I was um, demonstrating printers only. And that is all that I could do. And so, on top of them being ignored by the other staff, they'd be like, well, why can't you help me? And I'd be like, I don't, I don't really work for PC World, I work for Epson. And that's <laughs> not, it's not an explanation they want to and, hear. And also, and also the fact that printers are one of the sort of strangest things that human beings can mm. buy, in that you buy this technological-looking machine that basically costs fuck all for what mm. it does... But then, within two weeks, you've spent four times the cost of yeah. the printer on ink. Yeah. Especially if your kids keep printing out stupid yeah. pictures from the internet. I but just use my mum's now. Yeah. I don't have my own. My, we used to do that, and now my mum uses ours. <laughs> and now she says, oh, yeah, since you moved out, I can't get the printer to work. And she just sends it to my wife to get her to print it out. Yeah. That's very very slimy. But actually, my yeah. mum would be listening to this, so mum, <laughs> Ab loves doing that for you. <laughs> Sam went through a bit of a phase of, of being uh, not unkind, but sort of sideways looking at his really delightful mother. She's in my top eight mothers of all time, Helen, yeah. by the way. And every week he'd get a sort of clip, old-fashioned clip round the ear. From yeah. Is my she, mum she's in, in my list? top eight mothers. Your mum's well. definitely in that list. Good. And <laughs> my mother-in-law and my mum, so that's four. Yeah. I think you're going to get the some angry. Well, it's only because I, I, I cut all the awful stuff you say about your mother on here. I cut it for you, but... Well, she doesn't listen to it. Oh. I'll <laughs> so leave it. You leave it in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, how, how are you with customer service then in, in your bookshop and, and um, PC World days? Is it like Black Books? It, it was a lot more like Black Books when I was behind the counter in that I it didn't really occur to me to kind of make friends. I was just like, come into the shop. I will help you if you need it, but I'm not going to go out of my way. And... Um, our manager now, Katia, is amazing. And you go in there and she's like, 
orchestrating a conversation between five different customers who don't know each other and she knows all their names and what they read and and it's sort of like I wander in there as a as somebody with a share in it in a kind of like oh, do you need any help you know I'm here for the day mm. if you need me and it's just is like, it like that I mean get in the way I'm I'm sorry to say actually I don't know whether I've sort of shop in an independent bookshop ever can't, I can't think well I must have done but no but thinking aloud it's mm. I don't know you might have accidentally yeah, no, I would like to. I like the idea of it. But I'm just thinking, like, is it like a record shop? But, like, you know, what's that um, high fidelity? But, but they're like, I will now sell five copies of Grief is the Thing with Feathers or something. Yeah, yeah. And um, then everyone's like, wow, crap. Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that bit when they all start nodding along yeah. in the film and it's yeah. like, ah. Yeah, that's a horrible moment. That is a horrible moment. A Great horrible song. Moments horrible in moment. That song, in that film. Yeah. Um, so you weren't that guy, you didn't go, I'm going to... I wasn't that cranky. Except or it that. was your own book, surely. I, yeah, I was like, well, no, because that's the worst. That's like, because if people know it's your book, they kind of do, are like, well, come on then, pitch me your book. Ooh, and yeah. then you just want to die or kill them. Did you ever have a moment where you looked at someone, sort of pick up your book, read the jacket and... Scowl. I had a lot worse than that. I had one man. <laughs> I had one man who was from New Zealand, and he was over to visit his daughter, who I knew quite well. And he he kind of picked up my book and looked at me, and, and he was like, "Oh, my daughter says you wrote this, and it's about Australians, is it?" And he, in front of me, opened the first page and read aloud the first paragraph. And the first line's quite punchy. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a sort of stink to it. Yeah. And then he just went, and that's how you think Australians speak, is it? <laughs> and I was sat there going, well... <laughs> My mum's one. Uh, yeah. I yeah. can't remember what the first line is. Did you well, treat it today? That's the second That's the... Do you mean the steam pudding one? Steam pudding, yeah. yeah. It's a dead sheep. It's a dead sheep. Yeah. But it was the first book, which is... Um, it's got, it's got a bit of dialogue, so he kind of did a really facetious, like, me, 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 voice. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, know. you, you probably punched him, that's where Buddy learned <laughs> it from. But that's uh, also running a bookshop, I mean, especially now, must be an even more tricky business than running restaurants is at the moment. Mm, never run a restaurant, but that looks like a lot of hard work. <laughs> and I thought but books are back on the up. People have realised yeah. Kindles yeah. are a bit of a ball, Well, mm. do you know what? We've done... Fight. We were kind of all worried about the Kindle and everything. And actually, because we're a really small shop and we don't discount anything and we stock a lot of hardbacks, people come to us for gifts and you don't really gift a download for your Kindle. Yeah. Um, it's sort of... It's treating the book as an object again, which, um, I don't know, doesn't, doesn't seem to have harmed us. We, we kind of... Our own, I mean, Peckham's changed a lot in the last 10 years and we've always made about the same, so... That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, inter- it's weird. I feel bad now that I said I haven't been in an independent bookshop. Well, yeah, I don't, it's still time. Someone who reads as much as you do. But. I know, but the thing is, but, but OK, well, you're an author, so is this... Uh, in my head, it's better if I buy books in Waterstones than it is buying them off Amazon. But is that yeah. pretty much as bad? Or uh, is that bad? Well, it's, uh, it's not... Um, it's much better Waterstones than, than Amazon. Because I do love bookshops. Foils, not far from you. Foils, yeah, yeah. I, I, That's even better. Yeah, Foils, I've, I've been foils. and bought books in Foils. There we go. But Foils is so big, it doesn't really feel like mm. like a black booksian mm. sort of shop. Foils cookery book section is very indigestible. Mm. It's very sort of spread out. I, I find it too much. 
Yeah. Hatchard is the real tricky one because you think it's Indian quaint yeah. and it's, that's but just Watson's well, yeah. Clever bastards. Clever. Did um, you sell James's books in your shop? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Did anyone, you? Anyone ever slag them off? <laughs> no. On of the reg. <laughs> Um, so, what, as a, as a, are, you, are you sort of how actively are you involved in terms of like what books you buy and what books don't you don't? I base, I'm in a really nice position where I basically just send um, an email going. I think we should have this, that, and the other in because it's nice, and um, so it's quite a curated little shop, um, and it's basically the taste of me and Katia Roz, who now lives in Ireland. Um, so yeah, I I have a bit of a say in that. And, um, and do you do any do you do any reviewing, sort of in, in no, the press? No, I have done. Um, I'm not very good at it because I'm a bit woolly. I'm a bit sort of I don't want to upset anyone. Right. So I only ever take books I really like, and even in that, I don't. I'm really rubbish at giving blurbs for books because it's kind of how many ways can you go? I just really liked it a lot. You um, did the blurb for Grief as a Thing with Feathers. I did, yeah. yeah. I think I probably said I just really liked it mm. a lot. Wonderful book. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't think of another um, sort of creative art, whatever, um, that is critiqued by fellow mm. practitioners. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. quite weird considering how small publishing is as well. So you're pretty much guaranteed to run into whoever gave you a shitty review. You know, it's like... Do you get any shitty reviews? Your book was pretty, or your the, your latest full novel. I've had, I mean, I've had more like I'd, I'd call them personal attacks rather than shitty oh. reviews, but um, uh, but they will come. Like mm. there's no there's no getting around it really. It's just, but it's a funny thing. I'm I'm much more. I don't really read reviews anymore. Um, and the ones that like, I'll, you know, my mum will be like, "Oh, there's a good review in whatever." And what I'll do is I'll just scan to the like, penultimate paragraph where they go, but ultimately mm, yeah. <laughs> it fails or yeah. it's good. And um, Isn't that what everyone does? Read I, I the first bit and read the last bit. Yeah, and the rest. And only believe the bad bits. And um, off you go. <laughs> yeah, you're very good at not reading those things, aren't you? Bad oh, what, stuff. of our own things? Yeah. yeah. I could never do that. I mean, there's... When I was in the band and stuff, read absolutely everything and just sort of have really? a low simmering rage yeah. against the world. Yeah. Because most you, of it was true. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is you've really learned to sort of suppress that. Yeah. That, that, I've just totally let it go. I'm very zen these days. <laughs> it's like living on a knife edge if you pay any attention to them because anybody could say anything. So, totally, yeah. And I think exactly what you said, like you just you believe the bad and ignore yeah. the good. But... I just I don't have the willpower to not read it. Yeah, I just am uh, surprised. I'm surprised by my laziness. Mm. I just can't be bothered. I don't think it's lazy. I think that <laughs> is a powerful, powerful thing to be able to do. You, to does do that, that laziness transfer to your own writing? <sighs> well, it quite... takes me ages. I mean, that last book took me five years. Um, so what about singing? No, no, the the, the one, one that's, that's coming out okay. in February. Um, and what's that called? It's called the Bass Rock. Um, uh, the one up uh, off Berwick, uh, yes, yeah, that one, L- amazing rock. Yeah, it's a good one. One of them, again, probably one of my top eight rocks. One of the so, great rocks. Yeah. 
Why, 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 why is it called the Bass Rock? Um, most of it's set around there uh, in North Berwick, um, and it sort of it sort of started off um, five years ago as looking at um, my dad's family, um, a sort of nineteen fifties sort of winter picnicy drama, and the church, and you know all of the. Um, all of the difficulties of being a uh, posh white little boy um, in the 1950s. How many difficulties were there for boarding school and the right. church? I would say. Okay. Ba bang. Um, Which, did he go to boarding school? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And my um, great grandfather was the dean of Windsor, so there's a bit of church there. Right. Um, and then my grandmother was an interesting woman, um, sort of alcoholic, uh, but very, very funny, but totally uninterested in being alive. <laughs> really? Yeah. But so funny in a very British way, like, you know, lots of smoking and saying things are ghastly and that <laughs> sort of thing. Um, Did she have one of those cigarette holders? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> What happened to them? <laughs> I know. Maybe I'd start smoking again just to use one. <laughs> I mean, they're incredibly useful. Chic. Because you don't end up with the old smelly fingers. Yeah. yeah. And they look cool. <laughs> they do look incredible. So w- what would disturb you more if your um, son decided he wanted nothing more in the world than to go to boarding school? Mm. For, for money, no object. Yeah, yeah. Once he goes to boarding school at the age of eight. Or if he said, I want to go to church. Oh, God. Every Sunday and beyond. Oh, my God. Um... I think I think church would bother me more because I feel like that would just mean we were totally viewed the world totally differently. Yeah. Whereas if he was just like, God, I hate my parents, I need yeah. to leave, I'd be like, fair enough. Be, I, I, just, I just really want a wooden chest with lemonade powder in it. <laughs> what? What? That's the boy, Roald Dahl. Oh, that That's what I said to you. It's like the idea, because you boarded or whatever, yeah. and the idea that would scare like, me tuck. to my very soul. Tuck box. But the idea of having a box with lemonade powder, mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but it just Isn't always like sounded amazing. Yeah, but I was just thought that was the coolest thing. <laughs> I, don't think boarding, I don't think many schools are taking kids at eight now, because just no one will yeah. do it, quite rightly, if you ask yeah. me. When did you go? Eight. Right. Uh, but I was, and I was fine. I was very lucky, but yeah. mo- you know, plenty of people aren't, and it's just like, it's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a terrible lottery to play with your. Be the yeah. bully, don't get bullied. That's the uh, Ramster motto. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely. <laughs> uh, to be fair, that's what I say to my kids. Be the bully. No, I just say, what do the hur- what do Hurleys do? They're like, we bully, we don't get bullied. They absolutely don't bully anyone. They're really nice. They do it as a joke to wind up yeah. my wife. I bully the bully. Ah, oh, nice yeah. hero. Make a Not bunny. all heroes wear capes. Some <laughs> no. just wear shorts in winter. Um, and how how did you get into writing novels? Um, uh, for a really obvious sort of <laughs> hammer question. Well, I was um, I was writing short stories, um, and they just started getting longer. They got longer. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was asked. Um, I was picked up by an agent, and she sort of said, "Would you ever write a novel in a sort of slightly leading way?" Because generally, um, short stories are harder to sell. Mm. Um, and so I, I sort of lied and said, "Yeah." 
was thinking about that and never really thinking I would um, be able to do it because it's so big. And then I think it's just that thing of having someone to answer to. I just sort of did it. I mean, it took me ages. It took me four years, that one. And that was called? Uh, After the Fire. After the Fire. Well done. Still a small voice. I haven't read that one. I'm ashamed to say. It's amazing you've read any of them. I can't. I find it really hard to read books when I know the person. I think it's. I don't think I knew you that well when I read it. Maybe, mm. but it was we read it for the now disappeared book club, oh, and uh, and it was a a real hit, and it was quite an honest, quite an honest group of people, mm-hmm. and um, it was very much roundly uh, applauded and adored. But that nice. was uh, all the birds singing. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, uh, I had a question reverse. Novels are longer than short stories. Come on, James. What was it? It was really good. <laughs> when you were, you, you said, well, you have somebody sort of pushing you to actually get it done mm. when you obviously having an agent. And how, how does that work? Are you, are you sort of sending her bits as you do them? Or? No, she just would, like, every three months, she'd be like, how's it going? And I'd panic and be like, really, really well? And then I probably sent her... I, I sort of wrote about a thousand words a day for the first maybe six months until I just had a big brick of words and then worked out what I was writing about because I kind of I thought the reason I never had thought to write a novel is I thought you had to have this like idea and then you had to kind of plan it out a bit and then you and then it all had to be kind of because you know a lot of people kind of say oh you know I've, I'm writing a novel but it's all up here pointing yeah. their head um, and it doesn't really for me it doesn't work like that it's um it's thinking on the page to find out what I'm interested in. It turns out, thank God. <laughs> and what your characters would do in that situation as opposed to planning the situations Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They'll sometimes be like maybe three points or three kind of character references that I've got, but that will that'll be it. And then otherwise it's a bit like rereading a book you've already read. It's, it's fun to like the fun of it is like oh I didn't expect this was going to happen um, and then the dreary bit is you know what do they do for money and who are their parents and like how did they get there and how plausible is it mm. all that sort of all the plausibility is really annoying but um, that's the real what, work in terms of you'd rather make it a little more implausible or? well you kind of I, I think there's I've, I've more and more I've kind of left gaps and I, I really enjoy that. I like the I like the reader kind of um, bringing themselves to work. I think that's mm. more interesting. Um, and, yeah. Do, does some of that come from um, with the writing about Australia and feeling mm-hmm. like having to get those voices right and, you know, the vernacular or whatever yeah. that you were using, but then in the new one with writing about, say, your dad or yeah. those experiences that he had, of, that you're sort of having to have that um, sort of realistic part to it as opposed mm. to being able to leave more gaps? Well, I mean, this one is, uh, I guess, it's got it's got witches in and it's got also sort of the 1700s. So it, it, in a way, it's I find it very difficult to write what's in front of me. So um, there is a modern-day strand which is kind of which was the the trickiest bit to write because it felt it felt much more personal and more like my life um and so yeah my my way of 
writing about England is is usually to set it at a different time. Yeah. Or, um, so yeah, there's there's sort of there's always an element of paranormal stuff in in what I write and a shark. So far, <laughs> <laughs> James didn't what? mention sharks. What, um, that's interesting you say that because uh, th- th- there is the sort of mysterious uh, presence in all the birds singing, but I don't mm. I don't. Um, remember necessarily there being a sense of it being paranormal mm. was I just well it not- depends who you are you see I get um, it's quite I get a lot of mail a lot of emails about what that thing was and um, and it's mainly just like can you tell me what was killing the sheep <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me like you know growing up on the Isle of Wight there was I suppose a escape puma that you know you get right. you get dead sheep quite easily Isle of Wight's creepy as shit anyway yeah it is, yeah. So it is. That, I mean in my head throughout the that reading that it was the Isle of Wight very mm. much it um, was yeah it's like a sort of screwed around version of the yeah. Isle of Wight so it's very much the um, the centre and like Motterston mm. um, and yeah because you're up in the hill she's um, up in the hill looking out to the Solent and the boat's yeah. coming across and, yeah yeah okay but um, play sound, but very creepy. You'd 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 be freaked out. By the what? Yeah, I've spent a lot of time on the other one. Have you? Yeah. Whereabouts? Black gang chime. Oh. <laughs> I went in Little Miss Muffet's house, and a mechanical in my head. Maybe this doesn't exist, but a mechanical spider comes down on a thing, and I yeah. freaked out and have been so scared of my there. life. <laughs> but hasn't it all fallen to sea, or a bunch of it? Black gang chime did, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, but I think they've remade it. Okay. So. Um, yeah, but all that, all that all that area around Modston does have a certain sort of eeriness to it, especially Modston Manor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's really good. If there were ghosts, they would be hanging out there. Yeah. Uh-huh. When when I was a kid, um, my parents, because we have a um, bit of woodland, kind of near Cowbourne, and um, it's just off the Tennyson Trail. So my parents would drop me and my brother and some friends um, when we were quite young at Motterston Down and just be like and now walk home in the dark um, <laughs> give us a bottle of wine and just be like ooh you say quite young <laughs> well I guess my brother would have been probably 15 so I was yeah. like 10 or something um, <laughs> different times young or is that is that fine I don't know. you're on an island different rules <laughs> yeah. of play he's like an island with lots of escaped um, murderers on as well that's, that's another nice fact about the Isle of Wight. Is Fire. that true? Yeah, well, Parkhurst was downgraded because so many bad, bad prisoners escaped. Huh. There was, um, there was a time when I was a kid when I remember um, Isle of Wighters were putting out um, plates of, like, meals with um, cling film over because there were three... It was either two murderers and a rapist or two ma- rapists and a murderer had escaped altogether. And rather than have them break into their homes, they'd leave the food out for them like they were hedgehogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I was going to say plates of milk, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, after... Because, you know, Peter Sutcliffe was there, I think. The Moors... Uh, one, Brady um, and Henry. What's Hindley. his name? Brady was there. Um, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell, because I know. if you think about it, that, you it's know, like a low rent Alcatraz. Yeah, exactly. Except very low rent because they kept getting out. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also not the only thing on the island. There's yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could do a. I mean, an Isle of Wight version of The Rock. I would watch that. <laughs> yes. It'd be. Who would play the Cage character? Well, 
We could really, I mean, well, Cumberbatch spends a lot of time yeah. on the Isle of Wight, so he played Nicolas Cage. Ed Harris, <laughs> playing play, played by my mother. Yeah, but then whenever they take a plane and they crash in Vegas, they'd have to crash in like Portsmouth or something, which would be a little, well, a little more low rent than Vegas. Are up on purpose to be funny? Or? Conair and the Rock. Yeah, okay. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that I would have muddled them up. But, yeah. Yeah. And face off. Ah. Three. I mean, yeah. Cage was at the top of his game during that, that era. I mean, Did you see really... Cage this week? No, what's he up to? Oh, it was last week, I think. He married um, a young woman a lot younger than him uh, in Vegas, tried to get it annulled two days later, but she said no. And then the day after, was he was singing Purple Rain in a karaoke bar in L.A., but with this rage. He basically was scream-singing Purple Rain by Prince. And it was one of his greatest ever performances. <laughs> Is it's it on video, that? Yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube. Oh, oh my it's God. It's very intense. Um, yeah. Hinged. That sounds wonderful. Isla White to Nicolas Cage is a great yeah. mix. Jump. Did he used to live in Bath or something? Or Brit- uh, yeah, Bath, I think. Bath, yeah. <laughs> they called him the Bath Chap. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyway, back to the other way. So you spent quite a significant time there. Is that? Is that? Yeah. It must be quite a good writing retreat. Um, until children came along. Um, it's. I have. I've never really got any work done there. To be honest, mm. it's. Um, well, it's. We're camping, so it's sort of. You're you're mainly just trying to. Get clean, eat, wash up. So it's yeah. I don't, I never bother. I was there once um, when I when my first book was on submission. Um, my parents wanted wanted to go to France and they didn't want to interrupt the dogs' holiday. So <laughs> <laughs> so they got me to. And this is when I was working at PC World. So I was skint and um, and they said <laughs> come and you? yeah. They were like you know we'll pay you twenty quid a day if you come and look after the dogs. No, I meant did PC World not pay you? I, they didn't pay me much. No. <laughs> Different times. Different, very different yeah. times. And um, and it was like August, so, you know, weather's a bit tricky. But when I went down, it was like beautiful and sunny and I was like, well, this is going to be lovely and I'm going to stay in this shitty little caravan and the dogs will keep me company and I'll, you know, read lots. And the day my parents left, it just like torrential rain, hail and, you know, there was a big storm which blew up loads of... Uh, Portuguese man of war onto Brook Beach. It was wow. all really like intense. And then there was um, a tree came down, and all the sheep from the neighbouring field got into the woods and got all tangled up in the black breeze. And it was just like this, like awful week of like the dogs. It's fine if dogs bark at stuff in the night, but when they just stand up and look at the door. <laughs> sort of low growl. It was yeah, no sleep, and then um, taking them for walks in like hail. Yeah, it was rubbish. So that's not the place to get the right. It's not the place to get the right. Where do you write? Oh, it's really it's not very romantic. Normally, like in a cafe Nero or something, because I don't want to take up space in like a nice cafe because it's if very I'm there, community spirited. Well, it's it is a bit. You know, you sometimes go into these lovely well thought out places and there's just these people there like plugging in and mm. making it into their office and I always find that bit 
sort of crappy mm. um, but do I you, don't mind doing it in a you, you know. don't feel guilty about taking up time in the cafeteria with any one coffee no nah, they're I all don't right. I think I'm okay have you had one of their espresso and tonics yet well what oh yeah next big thing apparently espresso and tonics yeah what's amazing about it is it's completely bypassed any sort of unless it was such an underground trend but it seems to bypass the sort of subculture whatever and just gone straight to the mainstream Cafe Nero espresso and tonic so is it like fizzy uh, but presume so I've never had it sounds absolutely revolting mm-hmm. bitter and bitter yeah I didn't yeah it sounds disgusting Maybe what about one of the um, egg yolk ones have you ever had one of those egg yolk with coffee yeah oh no what's is that, that a thing yeah what is it it's just an egg yolk in your coffee. Well, like an espresso? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Do you in shoot it or are you sipping it? I don't know. I'm not going near it. <laughs> Sounds evil. Sounds appalling. I'm trying to imagine the mouthfeel by just going... Nom, nom, nom. Mm. I like a... Is it egg white they put in a um, whiskey sour? Hmm. That's reasonable. But That's more for I sort just, of body as opposed yeah, to flavour. I feel like... Because I've seen somebody make it and there's just they just slip in this whole... It's not beaten. So in my head well, it just Well, you don't want it beaten... Cooks. But like a little solid, uh, and then down your epiglottis. Oh. Epiglottis. <laughs> nice. epiglottis. First, first outing yes. for that word. That's, on the pod, that's episode title Buzz. done. <laughs> uh, well, I've already learned something from you because I've never come oh, across that. So, sons and daughters, look out! There will be yeah. an egg yolk espresso. Oh, God, uh, were you always a, a voracious reader? Yes, yeah, I read absolute crap, though. What uh, did you read? <laughs> I read Point Horror, mainly. Oh, amazing. Ah, yeah. crap, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's gold. I loved it, I loved it so did much. You, did you go, did you start on Goosebumps? Uh, no, I didn't, no. I didn't start on Goosebumps. Mm. I went straight to the points. Right. Um, and they just, like, after a bit, you're just like, well, obviously the handsome boyfriend did it. And, you know... <laughs> Next. And then and then my mum did was... Did you have the same approach to those as you did to book reviews? So you'd read the first page and then just read the end of it? <laughs> just the end done. of it, yeah. <laughs> Tick. Done. Um, and then my mum got really worried about me reading just these crappy horror books. So she went to Waterstones in um, Newport and said, oh, my daughter's reading all these terrible books. Can you suggest something else? And they suggested Virginia Andrews, if you've ever come across that. Did she write a thing about flowers in the attic? Yeah, yeah. incest and yeah. rape. Yeah. And it's like she writes these big, chunky books for sort of young adults. And they are just a massive rape fantasy. And, and they're really, really disturbing. They're like, there's like incest and... There's always some very innocent girl who's extraordinarily beautiful and humble and then just gets, like, nailed by her uncle or something. <laughs> did, you, like, did, you, did you dig the book there at the yeah, time? Yeah, I was yeah. just like, yes. And, and they're a massive, massive series. Like, Virginia Andrews has died, but the estate still churns them out. And it's basically just, like, working out the most sort of heinous, incestual, awful thing that they can. Crikey. Um, it is quite quite amazing. But there is an amazing thing when you're a kid, though, when a grown-up gives you a book that's, like, way out of what you should be reading. Yeah. Because I remember my dad, we went on holiday, and my dad read The Wasp Factory mm. and then gave it to my older brother, who's a couple of years older than me, and then he finished it and then gave it to me. Wow. And it, I was... God, I mean, I was pretty young. Yeah. 
was way out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And then there's the bit in it with the guy with the skull and his flies go under his thing and they're eating his brain. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> bit late for that but uh but absolutely amazing book but and i read it again recently and it you know it's an amazing book and really powerful and all the rest of it but to have read it at that age mm. where you're so young and your imagination is so sort of firing yeah. all over the place yeah yeah it's absolutely amazing i yeah. kind of want my kids to, my my daughter especially read my youngest daughter she reads how old is she she's nine mm-hmm. and she reads um oh who's that She's like me, she reads really fast mm-hmm. and reads a lot. Um, but I'm sort of waiting for the moment that I can sort of give her some something horrible really to disturbing, read. Yeah. yeah. Except she doesn't sort of need angling in well, that I direction. Think the, I think the really exciting thing is to find something on your parents' shelf that has either had the jacket taken off it. Yeah. Or um or just look so I, I read The Silence of the Lambs when I was quite young and was just like, Oh, skinning are we like, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then they also had a they had a a book high up on a shelf in the caravan that had no cover on it and it was um it was Les on mill verge by Apollinaire which is just basically a sort of massive sex romp like bestiality paedophilia like just incest just everything and that was like my introduction to sex it's like Christ. that's what it is is it it's full of shit wowza yeah so like what's I the name of that book <laughs> don't pretend you've not got it no although I do I have something more embarrassing than that actually yeah I could put that I'll just say it so the thing is I've already embarrassed myself in front of my mother when I was a kid there was this book on the bookshelf called Vox and I don't mm. remember who it's by but it was on the shelf and then it wasn't on the shelf and I noticed it wasn't there <laughs> and I was like where's that and I don't know why I had it in my head but it's got a black spine and pink lettering I think mm. and I was like there's something about that book because it's gone missing forgot about it and then it, I went upstairs once and it was in my mum's room mm. and I was like what's that book and I took it and started reading it and it's very rude for <laughs> I must have been nine or fruity. maybe ten very fruity a woman does a handstand on some paint tins and there's some painters painting a house and they paint her with paint and then they well that can't be good for you come together <laughs> <laughs> and anyway I, re- I remember reading this and being like, oh my god this is amazing and fucking weird and I shouldn't be reading this and somehow, and I don't know how, it's now on our bookshelves. Ah, the haunted box. Yeah. Nice. Well, anyway. don't look on my Sorry, bookshelf. Sorry, Mum, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> nick your mucky erotic fiction. I didn't, but somehow it is on my bookshelf. And it's rubbish. What are you reading at the moment? Uh, I'm reading Constellations by Sinead Gleeson. It's very good. It's about... It's, it sounds... I'm not going to sell it very well. It's about illness. <laughs> but she's um, she's a reviewer and a critic. And I've known her for quite a while and sort of didn't know much about her, just, you know, just knew her as a lovely person um, who's very good at, at reviewing and stuff. And then she's just written, like, the best book ever. Oh, really? Um, it's so good. My God. Yeah. It's all about various illnesses that she's had... Um, like quite short essays about okay. them and so good I do have a feeling I've seen it kicking about yeah it was, it was reviewed a couple of weeks ago probably so it's yeah it's just new. come out yeah. yeah yeah 
And do you read one book at a time, or you got like a yeah, covered in it? Yeah, I, I read one book at a time. I'm I'm really slow as well. I really envy you being a fast reader. But I mean, to read a book properly, it takes me at least three weeks concentrating quite hard. I think. Um, and can you read? Actually, I think I know the answer to this because I read your tips for writing. If you get stuck or whatever, they might but, be made up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you said it like if you get stuck, just go and read stuff and don't yeah. worry about being yeah. influenced because everyone's influenced anyway. Yeah. No, I think there's a there's a real um, tendency because I um, I lecture at Kent University as well. I'm a, a I'm a teacher or something, whatever. How it did is. that come about? Um, there was just a job going, and um, it's sort of. I've been making a living for a while just writing, which is lovely, but it is quite nerve-wracking, you know. And I've always been freelance. Um, so it was just... I just wanted something... You know how it is when you have a kid and you're like... Mm. It would just be nice to know that at least the rent is paid every month. Um, but... Um, Sorry, you were saying about, you know, writing tips for... Yeah, like... there's. I think there's this idea that... Um, that I, I have quite a lot of students who are often like, you know, well, I, I just can't, I can't read fiction at the minute because I'm writing fiction and, and they're really, really precious about it. And it's like, well, I don't understand how else you learn. Um, it's like you not wanting to eat other people's mm. food because you're making your own food. It's fucking weird. Yeah, we, funny enough, we did that. We did that with the sandwiches, actually. Did well, you? We, when we were developing the... Yeah. The, we didn't eat we other people's like, sandwiches. We were like, let's not go and eat too no. many sandwiches. And now that we're pretty happy with our menu, now we're going to go and eat a lot of sandwiches yeah. just for sort of that extra 3%. But we didn't want to get too sort of led down one way or another. Is there a favourite sandwich you're not allowed to say? Um, don't know, Sam. Sam's being more strict. Sam's been very strict with me. Why? <laughs> I'm um, like, can I post that picture? And you're no. like, no. <laughs> um, no, it's surprising. We're trying to do a slightly odd thing with the sandwiches, which mm-hmm. I think makes it quite hard. So... Some of the sandwiches that I was thinking, oh, this is you know, this won't be one of the A-list sandwiches. We just mm. we did our first tasting with people sort of outside of us and the two guys who sit there um, on Monday, and it was what was really interesting to me was a couple of the sandwiches that I would think wouldn't be the big hits yeah. actually were like the egg sandwich, which yeah. I'm not wild about an egg sandwich, yeah. um, but people absolutely loved it which was sort of that sort of hopefully means we're on the right track but it does make things quite tricky that's exciting you have to get in touch with um ned bowman have you heard of him no he's a writer um and he sort of reviews sandwiches oh right (laughs) on the side you know (laughs) okay ned bowman yeah Sandwich reviewer. Yeah, well, he's he's also an <laughs> award-winning novelist. But, you know. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question. Uh, you know what what your feeling about awards is, what your feelings about awards are, and generally, sort of within your sort of writerly cohorts. Um, well, they're like, I mean, I won, I won some, and that meant I could write my next book. Right, that is amazing. Um, they never make you feel like you have made it or anything you know I, right. I'm sure you won a granter prize didn't you yeah I was on the the granter um what's it called best of young it's got a really long thing um but it's like a so Ned was on that list as well it's like a list of 20 under 40 I think um just nipped in there <laughs> and um and so that's probably that's like probably the biggest thing um 
I've ever been involved with. Apart uh, over here, I, I won a prize in Australia called the Miles Franklin, which was pretty exciting. But they don't they don't really mean all that much. Like there's a bit of nice sort of flurry of yeah. publicity and stuff, which is great and always helps and stuff. But it doesn't stop you just thinking you're a bit of a twit. Um, <laughs> is there, I mean, certainly in food, there's, there's always a bit, you know, it's just the GQ Awards last night, mm-hmm. and, and you can't escape. And even when we won, you know, Best Restaurant for Pigeon, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Observe Food Monthly Awards, it was like, you know, you can't escape the slight sense. It's all these things, same with lists, same with anything, there's kind of an arbitrariness to them, and yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's nice. But And I'm, you know, I'm judging a few lists um, this year, and, and you realise the, the limitations, you realise... It, like trying to kind of get a short list together when you're just like trying to give enough attention to all of the books that deserve to be looked mm. at and you're just like well like you know you physically can't really do that so um that's been quite helpful because it's just like they really don't mean much um other than some cash which is a lot mm. you know that I mean, that means a huge amount but it like it doesn't it doesn't mean your book is any better, mm, really, sure. than a bunch of other books. Just there's there's so many books published um, that they can't all get on a list. Did you read Milkman? Milkman. Do you know what? I haven't yet. I'm really, really bad at reading um, booker-listed books. Um, I think partly because I feel like... <laughs> there's a little part of me that's like, well, they're safe. They're looked right. after now. <laughs> I did read uh, Daisy Johnson's Everything Under, though, which she's, like, the youngest person to be shortlisted. Right. Which is terrific. OK. Really recommend it. Good rack. And what do you feel about the young adult category? Because I know there's a sort of semi-debate that goes on about, you know, sort of alienating people either side of it when actually it's... I mean, I've just read a sort of semi-young adult, Mm -hmm. Mal Pete. Have you ever read any of his stuff? Yeah. What Um, what book Mr. Godley's Phantom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I absolutely loved. But there was something kind of relatively sort of gentle and and useful about Mm. it, but at the same time I didn't feel like I'd been... Patronised. Dossing off school and, and like, you know. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the... Um, I really like it as a genre. Um, I think it's exciting. It's, you know, I've, I haven't tried it yet, but I think it's an exciting idea to uh, use that different tone because it, it does sort of come with almost like a few rules, um, whereas literary fiction is very much like... You know, navel gazing yeah. and then a ghost or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what What are the rules? Well, it's sort of a bit more pacey, I guess. Um, mm. Maybe it's not rules so much as you're allowed to do certain things. Um, I think there has to be a... I don't know, for me it's quite an interesting limitation in that I tend to get quite quite dark and sexual quite quickly <laughs> and I guess that's not really you know trying trying to convey the same um, ideas but without showing the same right. you know without doing a handstand on paint cans 
Yeah, I'm going to pay for that one. <laughs> um, and what um, I, I'm really ashamed to say I haven't read your books, but then James said, I can't believe ashamed. you haven't read this book. This is so up your street. And then read all the reviews of it this afternoon. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely smack bang in the middle of my wheelhouse probably <laughs> but so my last sort of year has been reading a lot of um sort of more nature writing or mm-hmm. weird nature writing mm-hmm. um robert mcfarlane mm-hmm. and ben myers and yeah. and all of that stuff which your book not saying it's the same thing but sort of within that sort of weird well, british kind of within yeah. um but it seems like i mean there's obviously sort of precursors to some of the stuff and some slightly older books mm. but sort of relatively recent thing of so many books being written about this country and weird Mm. nature and the countryside and sort of and that sort of sort of odder version of a British history Mm. and I just wondered what you've thought about that or where that come from do you think I don't I I mean you know one doesn't like to just bark Brexit at everything but um but I, I think there's I think there's something to it um Melissa Harrison's book. Have yeah, you read that? All um, among the barley. All the barley, yeah. yeah. Um, and and that sort of looking at the landscape and seeing the history in it is so interesting. And the kind of the repetitions. Um, I don't know. It's it's a real melancholy landscape, yeah. the UK. So for me, like I've always been really drawn to writing about Australian landscape while I'm here and and it's only I wrote one book almost entirely set in Australia and in Vietnam and then the next one was half in Australia and half over here and then this one is kind of making myself stand in the UK and look at it um it's it's a really interesting landscape I don't know um and it it certainly feels sort of trickier and more uncomfortable than um, than I ever imagined it would, writing about it. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> have you, what have you read into the sort of Brexit literature, the McEwen and the... Um, uh, who wrote Phyllis Albion that Mark Francois quoted as though it was like something... No, I, I haven't. Have you? No, 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 I haven't, but... Um, no. I just... I I have a slight aversion to or, the yeah, kind Ali of Smith like I, Ali Smith I love, um, but the the kind of like Brexit novel or nine eleven novel it kind of always is a bit like Ugh, yeah zeitgeist <laughs> <laughs> really tapping into it yeah um, yeah no it's I I'm I'm really lazy in the way that I read I just pick up the book that's closest to mm. me and um, and I've learned recently that. Because I'm such a slow reader, if I don't, if I'm not enjoying it after the first fifty pages, I do just put it down. Which I think is so important. You're you're yeah. still leaders, children. Yeah. Into finishing books, it's like if you're not, why would you, there's yeah. a million books out there? Why yeah. would you force yourself to read something you're yeah. not enjoying? I genuinely like I I get so many letters about the ending of my book. I feel like if more people had put my book down, <laughs> <laughs> we won't be much happier. <laughs> I think I think sometimes uh, I, I and I would totally agree. I think there's a few books probably that to push through is worthwhile, mm. but I think they, you have to earn it. I think sometimes like it's too easy to give up. Mm. But yeah. I totally agree with you. I do actually this sort of guilt thing yeah. of like I've got mm. to finish because I've started. I would definitely. Yeah, if you're starting Dubliners and it's like mm. one of the yeah. great works of 
of writing yeah. and to go like, ah, this isn't really for me, then... Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I did that with... No, neither <laughs> I. I was like, what's a really... What's a really, what's a really tricky erudite? book? Yeah. No, I, I was, was going to say, well, I really pushed through with The Count of Monte Cristo, but, that was, yeah. I, but then... Which I, I'm really glad I did, because it was absolutely amazing, mm. but the only reason I read it, just to undercut all of that, was because the lead singer of The Strokes said he was reading it. Uh, yeah. I put down uh, Lord of the Rings about 100 pages from the end. I was like, fuck this. I think there's... The trees keep walking. (laughs) I think there's something really um, great about... I don't know, I have an aversion to endings generally. Even if I'm loving a book, I'll I'll get to, like, five pages before the end and I will have an urge to stop. Uh, Which is Yeah, which is an incredibly patronising bad urge to have (laughs) because it's like, well, this writer can't obviously can't kind of handle an ending of course lots of writers can but I think there's there's such a disappointment when um, books are sort of tied up with a bow I find that that thing where you can close a book Mm. and put it on the shelf and then never think about it again Um, and it's really frustrating also when you write an ending like I do which is like open-ended and stuff but I, I feel like it makes you think about it, and you kind of it kind of lives on a bit longer. Mm. Totally. Um, did you ever did you ever watch The Sopranos? I did. Yeah. Like the final That's episode ideal. of The Sopranos, which I still yeah. haven't got to it. Yeah. No. <gasps> I went to it. Well, Are you watching uh, it now? We keep dipping in and out, and then Rosie's like, oh, "I'm not really in the mood for that." So oh we kind God. of watch. God, the ending is just narcos. Have you? I've already banged on about this book probably on here, but that book over there, The Sopranos Sessions. Uh, which is uh, basically goes through every single episode with these two guys who reviewed it at the time and they wrote for the I think it's the Star Ledger which is the paper that he picks up at the bottom of his drive at the beginning in the credits Um, they reviewed every episode as it was on and this is them talking about it having re-watched it all and then there's conversations with David Chase who wrote it talking about the ending and stuff and that is an ending Mm. that is still I still think about it now and it's still you still wonder what everyone's up to yeah exactly absolutely amazing Mm. But landing an ending is pretty tricky. Yeah. So probably doing something like that is quite good help. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a spoiler alert. No spoilers no there, spoiler. Sam Sam. No. <laughs> Should we hit you with some quick fires? Yeah. Okay. Um, so quick fire. We're going to start with James's question for you. <laughs> Straight in with it. Uh, would you rather sweat urine or cry poo? Oh, sweat urine. Interesting. I think that's wise. Yeah. Because deodorant will cover up the smell. And also urine is, you know, it doesn't hurt anyone. Poo, there's a problem with that. Oh, you say you're, thinking, you're thinking sort of hygiene as opposed hygiene to your bodily aroma. I mean, I'd rather smell piss than shit. Yeah, and you can't no? spray deodorant yeah. in your eyes. But you also can just not cry. Just uh, become robotic. Like you. That's why but you But then would your eye. sinuses be full of shit? Okay, well, let's not overanalyze the, the, <laughs> the biology of it. It's just, you're, 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 you're normal, normal tear ducts full of tears, as soon as they meet oxygen, that's mm. when the shit literally hits the face. <laughs> but also, sorry, sinuses and tear ducts, are they connected? Or just in the same... Sam, so, let's not get distracted by biology. <laughs> uh, what's the difference between a crow and a raven? Oh shit! I did know this. Isn't it something? Come about on, the, you write creepy, creepy countryside like books. The, I, I don't so that know. is a that is a thing you need knowledge for. Sorry, we. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I just I just assume that somebody writing creepy, but yeah, you're you know Max. What's he up to? He should know this. I bet he does. <laughs> he does. Uh, ravens often travel in pairs. I also don't know the difference between a 
a coot and a moorhen, even though I look it up every time I see them. Oh, that's a easy one. Which one's red and which one's white? Uh, the coot is is white. Right. Coot is white. Oh. Moorhen's red. How's that? Yeah. I don't know the answer. Uh, crow's tail is shaped like a fan, right. and the raven's tail appears wedge-shaped. And also, crows give a cawing sound, but ravens produce a lower croaking sound. Oh. I know the difference between a toad and a frog. Oh, what's the difference? A frog hops and a toad crawls. Oh, really? Isn't it? Ah, I didn't know that. That's what's awesome. the difference between a crow and a rook? Ooh, that, that's a know. tricky one. Um, I don't know. Ravens are cleverer than crows, though, but all of them, corvids, are uh, cleverer than most. <laughs> don't know where that came from. Uh, cheese, cheese, or cheesecake? Cheese. Yeah, what's your cheese of choice? Uh, I like a Comte. Ah, classic choice on the ticket off. A lot Thanks. of people go for the Comte. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel like I'm just bog standard there. No, you're not. It just means you're in the higher echelon. <laughs> you get other people who come on air and start calling out for poor salut uh, <laughs> pick a bean any bean oh um, I like a runner bean runner bean yeah that's a that's relatively like. niche choice I'd say okay. I'm not averse to one do you like a runner bean I've really come around to runner beans of late yeah, yeah. Mm. I had the classic like oh, I don't like them and then realised that's just because they're shit at school yeah and okay. they're delicious no I like a runner bean I, do you know what? I think I like a runner bean too. Oh. You quite like a ballotti though. I put down a ballotti, but it's very flashy, isn't it? <laughs> Showy bean. <laughs> snake beans. Snake bean, ridiculous. It's too flashy. They're like yeah. Lambos. Yeah. Talking about Lamborghinis. Beans named after mythical creatures is nonsense. Talking about Lamborghinis last night. Uh, shout out to Rosie Burkett, whose new book is out now, The Joyful Home Cook. She's on the pod in a couple of weeks. Anyway, it was at her book launch. And I was just geeing myself up. Not, not on my own I was talking to someone I was like do you know what I'm going to do I'm going to go into the Lamborghini showroom and ask for a test drive and what? then ha- and, and record oh. it and then halfway around when they start making small talk like yeah I mean how are you feeling about this do you reckon this is the one I'll be like I can't afford this I just wanted to drive it and see what the reaction is it'd be quite um, funny wouldn't it actually probably if you turned up in, in Cosman they probably allow it he calls his car Cosman if I turned up on the <laughs> tube in a suit I'd be like listen uh, if you were wearing your suit then yeah they'd know they've been spoken to. As long as you're not sweating piss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the favourite thing your ma cooks? Um, ooh, she's good at cooking. Um, she's very good at... This is going to sound really boring, but she's very good at macaroni cheese. Nice. Um, it's not like her flashy one, but she, she makes a mean mac and cheese. Nice. What's the best thing your mark cooks? Oh, that pause is long. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, sorry, it's quick fire, isn't it? <laughs> I, first thing that came into my head, she used to do a delicious sort of um, Indian-style chicken thing baked in the oven. It's nice. Yeah. Didn't have to say it with a scowl on your face, James. <laughs> uh, if sausages could talk, how would they sound? Uh, just like pigs. <laughs> <laughs> the ghosts of pigs there. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think, can I make a pig noise, but also make a whoo sound, but whoo, you can't really do it. could be the squeal. Yeah, it doesn't quite work. Uh, I think okay. they turn like Brian Blessed. But. <laughs> yeah, that's probably close to the truth. Uh, and the second part of the uh, quiz is overrated, underrated, okay. or correctly rated. Okay. Uh, submarines. Uh, underrated in that I don't want to go in one. So overrated. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, 
Which is confusing because sub it's means under. Yeah, oh, exactly. yeah, uh, no, I don't want to get in one either. But I think they probably do the job quite well. So maybe correctly rated. Yeah. <laughs> <a> summary? <laughs> no. No. No, no. <laughs> Terrifying. Get very close. It's basically like an underwater helicopter in a way. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Too dangerous. Yeah. Very. No good. Dangerous. Yeah. Rubbish. Uh, courgettes. Uh, underrated. Oh, really? I like a courgette. Do you? My husband does not like a courgette. Okay. So I Big have my own bag of courgettes in the fridge. What oh, do you do with your courgettes? Uh, we had a raw courgette salad the other night, um, and then I will, when he's not in, I will just eat them any like old a, way, like carrot, just like like an like absolute a donkey eats a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of, I'll just chop them up and put them with tomatoes and eat it out of a pan. Did he eat the raw courgette salad? Yes, he's just all right with that. He doesn't like the texture of. What did you dress the salad with? Uh, mustardy dressing. Mm. Any Parmesan cheesing in there? Yeah, there was some. Yeah, uh, yeah. you don't look like you liked that idea. Oh no, that sounded good. <laughs> I, quite like, I like a raw courgette. I don't know about cooked. Grilled, they're nice. Grilled, yeah. He you said he didn't like. Um, I like a rat. He didn't like ratatouille. I really like ratatouille. Oh, I'll put down a ratatouille. Yeah, he will not put down a ratatouille. Uh, maybe we'll put him. Great down ratatouille for recipe an in one of the early Hugh Fernley. What did Fly once call him? Hugh Fistington Whittle. Whittle. He genuinely got the name. Like it wasn't me. He wasn't trying to be funny. Anyway, he's got a great ratatouille recipe. But you need four big pans. Oh, well, so you cook nonsense. everything separately, and then you bring it together. It's worth it. No, is it? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Doesn't seem like because it doesn't usually, all go to mush. It's worth it. Best really? ratatouille. Yeah, you got to get the time. You know, then it doesn't go to mush. Texturally immaculate. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right. Well, he's got enough time in his fucking bucolic wonderland. Uh, crisps and nuts in the pub. Overrated, underrated, or correctly rated? Underrated. Yeah? Pub salad. <laughs> All together. Nice. <laughs> oh, mix them up together. Is that what you yeah. mean? Yeah. No, no, just, oh, right, just, just, cri- like, just crisps and nuts as, as an option in yeah. a pub. Happily on their own, even more happily. Altogether. I just think they add a lot to the pub going experience. Yeah. That's why I put it in as a question, because we'll, we'll go to the pub, you just have a beer, you don't... Oh, yeah, but it's nice to have a nibble. nibble. Not you. I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at you. I'm just saying, I've never said that before in my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm... My my problem with, with both overconsum- uh, uh, overconsumption of both alcohol and food mm. is that I love both, mm. and both are better with the other. Yeah. But I've only seen you put down nuts at your house. You're not a public... Nutty yeah, I'm not... Well, I'm not well, well they... Because I have a bit of an allergic reaction to the nutty nuts in the pub. Uh. Yeah. Can and you then, do the dry roasted peanut? It's touching. Sometimes they're fine, sometimes they're not. Ah, oh, so good. And then you know what I just, don't like mm. are those nuts with a coating. They're too sweet. Yeah. The, oh, I like oh, the wasabi this. nuts. Are you into those? Yeah, 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 they're nice. But the the ones where they're normally in a jar. Yeah, I, I think jarred you. stuff in a pub. Those little rice crackers can be pretty good, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. Spicy. Holland and Barrett. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Holland and Barrett. Holland and Barrett do a little do they? packet of those. I wonder where you with can the get chili, those from. The yeah. very sweet ones. Yeah, they don't yeah. seem like health food to me. No, they're absolutely not. Yeah. No. Bit of CBD oil in your way you Neither are um, chocolate-covered peanuts. They still sell those. Or dry bananas. I mean, that is a calorie that I'll put down. Yeah, love those. Love a Maybe should put them in a sandwich. Uh, Diet Coke. Uh, overrated. Okay. I don't. I don't drink Coke. No Coke. No Coke for me. What's your fizzy drink of choice? Mm, you just don't roll with be, bubbles. I, I, some, if I'm hungover, I'll drink a um, pint of soda water and fresh lime. Oh right, very classy. Well, I, don't know. I I just feel like 
it's unnecessary given the rest of my diet. I don't need to add that in. Hmm. Thought you were going to say a lilt for a moment there. Oh, do you know what? Ting. Ting? Ting. Oh, yeah, ting's good. I have a ting if I'm hungover. Ray and ting, that was the drink that Ajax introduced us to. Ray and nephew overproof rum. Mm -hmm. Ting. Fantastic. That does sound That nice. will send you right into the sky. Yeah. yeah. Um, two to go. Overrated, underrated, or correctly rated? Robert McFarlane. Uh, uh, Sam will cry if you say overrated. I right? was going to say correctly rated because he's like... Highly regarded. The nation's sweetheart. <laughs> no, I, I, just, I just want, I, I wanted to put it out there because I assumed you would say correctly rated and James yeah. would say. Oh, sorry. I would say. I would say I've no idea. I've never read his stuff, but I enjoy his Twitter. What I don't enjoy is Sam. Oh, Robert McFarlane. Oh, he's so amazing. Oh, look, here's another tweet about Robert McFarlane. I just wanted him to do he that. He was my um, my husband's supervisor at um, college. Oh, really? Yeah. It's amazing the and number he, of people... He was very like you about him as well. But w yeah. what I love about the fact that people like you teach is is the sort of... is the People like you. The people like you, writers, is the ripples in the pond and the number of people who are like, oh, mm. you know, George and James, who've both been on the podcast, both, both I think, got taught by Helen MacDonald. Mm. Um, James got James taught, taught by Robert, Robert McFarlane. Mm. All these sort of... Giants of literature, such as yourself, who are like inspiring the, <laughs> the next generation. <laughs> Great writers. Really lovely stuff. Uh, and finally, overrated, underrated, or correctly rated, just purely because I want to explain to me sharks. Uh, very, very heavily underrated. Okay. What's the thing about sharks? Yeah. The thing. Your thing. You, you're really into sharks. He told me, he's like, oh, she come out, she's proper booze hand and loves sharks. <laughs> That's the, that's the summary. <laughs> well, that's going to be my new Twitter bio. Um, so I think kind of growing up between Australia and the UK, you get this sort of, as a kid, you get this idea of sharks from, like, Jaws and from your Australian family trying to scare you, uh, which is that they're all the size of a bus and they want, they actively want you humans dead yeah. and you specifically. Um, and so as a kid, I had a... A kind of phobia of them, as I think a lot of um, landlocked people do, <laughs> a lot, or a lot of English people who are never going to come into contact with them. The sort of idea that you're, you know, when you put your head under the water in a swimming pool or even in the bath, um, I used to, I used to get that, and I used to have night terrors about them. And um, at the same time, I was like absolutely fascinated by them. Um, so it's just that thing of like getting to understand what they are and um you know they're kind of just doing their thing that they're built to do um if you're in their way. I think the fact that human beings use the the oceans um mainly for leisure and <laughs> and the and submarines and submarines but the 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 people who generally get bitten are they tend to be swimmers or spear fishermen or you know people doing something that they want to do because they they like it and it's nice and the shark lives there and it's doing what it does and it, you've gotten its path and that's it and i think that uh, australia has this amazing response to shark attack which is like quick a cull which is the most ludicrous 
idea. Yeah. If you if you think about it, it's like a cull of sharks because this because one shark in the sea, which is big, mm. um, bit someone. And so people go and they're like, I've got the shark, I've got the shark. You know, it's it's completely ludicrous. And there was a shark attack in Perth a few years ago. Sorry, you've started me off now. Quick fire. No, um, no, 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 this is fine. This is, that is, um, that's such a fantastic defence of sharks. But can yeah. Well, there's, there was, so there was a, um, an attack on Cottleslowe Beach, which is like fancy beach in Perth. And as a response to it, the um, the Prime Minister was like, right, well, we'll have a, a big shark cull. And what they did is they baited a hook just off the swimming beach. And then they pulled up all these beautiful, like, massive tiger sharks and, you know, killed them in front of everyone. Like, really performative, really horrible. And also attracting the sharks with, mm. with right. like, burly and, and just nuts. And I think where sharks are concerned, people have no um sort of they can't they can't see for the fear they're just sort of like panic it's, it's a blind panic where sharks are concerned because they saw jaws once mm. and you know but is it just is it just and i think that's an actually genuinely like that's a incredible defense of sharks not that i'm down on sharks but you know for people who are like oh well of course they should be cold and mm. whatever else but is it? It can't just be Jaws because a lot of people haven't seen Jaws, but they have a fear of sharks. Mm. Because well, there's of, a there's a kind of there um, must be more of a reason than just Jaws. I mean, I think there is more of a, a reason than just Jaws, but I think that probably did the most damage. For sure, but I think it's yeah. also a fear that is then bred into everyone else. Right, um, and. You know they're a bit like the bumblebee. Once the once the um, sharks have gone, we're all fucked, yeah. <laughs> and the sharks are going really really quickly, just yeah. like the bees. Why? Um, why is that? Because of the they pollinate flowers. <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what sharky jaw drop to. Yeah, when they're not busting crime. When they're not they're busting crime, they're pollinating <laughs> sea flowers. Well, because they eat everything dead in the ocean, and once that doesn't happen, the ocean will just it it will just die and then uh, you know and much more much more nuanced scientific thinking <laughs> yeah. has gone into that that's that my understanding nuanced. <laughs> what we have established in this book so we don't come to you for nuanced science don't, yeah. science we'll i don't do. know the difference between a so, raven and a crow and uh, i know that there's some reason that synapses, we're synapses sinuses sinuses um they're quite relentless though a shark yeah they're, they're, they're not quite one single track minded i mean but so are we yeah, yeah but they just want us dead <laughs> so there's a um, there's a, a shark guy called Vic Hislop in in Australia, and his whole thing is that he's quite a hero out there. He's like he's a shark catcher, and he's very religious, and he believes that sharks are God's mistake, and that the only good shark is a dead shark. He believes that whales beach themselves because they're so afraid of being in the water with sharks. Wow, he's genuine nutcase. Um, but I, th- I do think that is a it, it's a it's an idea that's quite upheld by you know. Yeah. I mean, I come from my family come from a place in Australia where there are shark attacks, um, not regularly, but because they happen very rarely, but they do happen, and um, and there is very much a kind of like, you know, we'll kill them then because they're farmers and they're fishermen. And, uh, yeah. Um, but it's really it's the shark fin soup which is the oh, yeah, yeah. it's the the main problem. 
um, which tastes of nothing. It's just like a yeah. like eating an ear, really. Um, anyway, shark rant. Well, I, I'm going to come. I think I've been completely convinced. Not that I was down on sharks <laughs> before, but but generally for like people who are like, I have fucking sharks. As, as, um, and bring a shark round here. Ticky off pro shark. Yeah, officially. Officially. We're going, yeah, that's being stated right now. And that's huge. If you get the support of Ticky off behind anything, then the well, needle, the needle do, can move. Don't do a shark fin soup sandwich. Oh, right. No, you don't want uh, soup in a sandwich, but shark fin sandwich would be good. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. What's happening next Come week? Come on, you finish. I was trying to remember who our next guest is. I don't know. There'll be someone not as fun as Evie, and I bet they hate sharks. So I think I'll cancel them. Actually, are you looking? Uh, yep, <laughs> you won't. All right, let's wrap it up. No, hang on, Carl. You can't do that because yeah. now whoever's coming on next week is going to be like. Oh, well, you can just cut all of that if you like. But uh, Rosie Burkett. Uh, <laughs> next week we've got author of the Joyful Home Cook, Rosie Burkett. Until then. Thank you, Evie Wilde. Go and buy her books from an independent bookstore such as Peckham Review. Bye. Goodbye. Okay.